You're listening to episode number 38 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Gordon here. It's episode number 38. Good to be here. Thank you so much for checking it out. And today I am going to dive right into the status of the new brand that I'm building and the prototyping phase that I'm in right now. It's kind of getting to, uh, to the end of it, thankfully, and kind of gearing up, you know, ramping up to the crowdfunding campaign, which is expected to launch in September. That's currently the target date. So had a lot of uh, interesting meetings this week with a few people, my supplier, multiple meetings with my supplier, multiple meetings with my soon-to-be, or at least I think soon-to-be, uh, program manager for my campaign, my campaign manager. And uh, it's been an interesting week. <laughs> and uh, you know, there's a lot of numbers flying around, a lot of decisions that need to be made very soon. And uh, I'll just try to unpack that just a little bit for everybody. So... Um, so where I'm at with my prototyping phase on my actual physical product, I have a third round of prototype, uh, like additional features and enhancements and, uh, details being added to the product right now. And my supplier has had an issue with one of their subcontractors. So it's pushed everything out to the right a little bit. Everything's being delayed. Um, not by too much, just, you know, there was some, uh, essentially the, one of their subcontractors came back and sent them pictures of what they were about to make in bulk for, uh, this prototype unit and eventually put it on the product. And my supplier was kind enough to send, well, actually I asked them to, but they sent me pictures of this, this thing that the subcontractor is making and it looked terrible. Uh, aesthetically. So, I mean, functionally it would have been fine, but it wasn't at all what I sent them for requirements aesthetically. So I had to put on my graphic design hat and jump into Illustrator. Uh, it's really the only graphic design program I know very well. And I went in there and I made some tweaks to be crystal clear. And then I rewrote my requirements and made them Basically, like you could put them in Google Translate and you should be able to get that spit out like crystal clear in any language. You know, I didn't use any, <laughs> any, uh, and this is where, this is where a translator really, really helps, by the way, like an actual translator, like a person. Uh, but I used, you know, Google Translate, uh, and, and, you know, just try to dumb it down as much as possible. Uh, took out all the transitional phrasings and all the slang terms and stuff that we use for granted here. You know, if you speak English and particularly if you're from the U S and I, uh, I, anyway, I sent it to them. They got the issue corrected. I already received pictures of the updated version of the thing that the subcontractor makes and it looks great. So I've given them the green light, the checkbox to go ahead and uh, proceed with the samples at the same time. I've had meetings with my campaign manager, the person who's kind of running a lot of the campaign stuff for me for the Kickstarter or soon to be. And they, they've had, now they, they have meetings weekly and they've come back and said that they think that a couple of other additional features, they had very specific details about it, uh, would, would really like elevate and, um, uh, and, and lift, you know, lift up this, this product on like the the scale of the type of product it is, you know, in the sea of all this, 
the stuff that's in crowdfunding, uh, especially related to this this particular type of product, it would lift this up and kind of give it, you know, its own little like pedestal and let it stand out. And unfortunately, these features that they're talking about are pretty difficult to incorporate, at least in a practical way that makes sense. So, you know, I'm kind of at a, a weird place right now where I, I don't really know what this all means. I don't know if it means that that, you know, I have a higher probability of not meeting my my capital uh, like funding goal or if it means that this would just allow me to get more funding and almost guarantee like secure my position in the the market for receiving that capital funding. So I don't know. There's no way to know for sure. The market's the market and consumers change every single day. And so there's really no way to predict it. Uh, but I'm at this place now where, you know, maybe there's not enough differentiation. Now there's certainly a tremendous amount of differentiation between what I'm building and what you can go buy that's comparable or somewhat comparable, uh, already in the market. There's, there's, there's already a, a huge amount of differentiation that makes this thing a lot better, a lot stronger, a lot cooler and a lot cooler looking aesthetically, but what they're looking for is like, you know, can you make this next, next, next level jump? You know, can you, can you take this like engineering, almost like, uh, like revolutionary leap forward and incorporate these, these other features. So, um, you know, it's, I'm in a weird place right now mentally. I have to do some serious thinking about that and maybe even do some, uh, like a fourth wave of prototyping, you know, potentially I haven't made that decision yet, but that's where we're at. So, uh, there's also some other features that they've recommended and some of my testing crew and even myself have realized are probably worth doing. So I have my supplier while they're dealing with their subcontractor issues. I also have them going down this other rabbit hole of exploring some other features that I want to add down the road and, uh, or potentially want to add down the road. Some of them I might be able to weasel into this current prototype, you know, this third wave. Uh, some of them might be in a fourth wave. Some of them might be in a post-launch. So here's the problem, right? I imposed a, a deadline, if you will, of getting my prototyping done so that I could launch in September. Uh, now, I don't have to launch in September, technically. I don't have to do that. But I'm a big advocate for not making things perfect if it's going to like result, it's if it's going to produce this end result of never actually getting started, you know, never moving. So if I just polish this product over and over and over again, until it's absolutely the best product in the world, it could be, it could be two, three years before I finally take this thing to market. So I'm already thinking like revision one, revision two, post-production, you know, when this thing's already on the market, like reaching out to my current audience of people who supported me, people who bought the product the first time and saying, hey guys, guess what? We just incorporated this awesome new feature and it took a year or two after production to really nail it down and prototype that, get the engineering done, get the manufacturing principles all figured out and put that in the cells put in place and stuff and and rolling out this additional you know revision, this like 2.0 of this product. And so, you know, that, that's kind of where my mind's at, you know, the engineering mind in me is saying, you know, let's get it really, 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 really good. You know, let's read all the requirements and then, 
you know, even exceed them a little bit. And then let's already start thinking about a rev two or, you know, a, a revision like a 2.0. So, so that's where I'm at. I have a list of features I want to include and, uh, you know, those are going to be down the road. Um, the other thing, so, you know, for those who are interested at all in crowdfunding, um, and some of the specifics of where I'm at and some of the decisions that I have to make going forward are like things I want to do myself and like internally, or even have people on my team. That's not part of my crowdfunding campaign managers team. Um, I have to kind of pick and choose, you know, who I want to do what. And the reason for that is in my campaign manager, they have the, in their whole group, they have access to essentially the best of everything. So I will, I'll rattle off here in a few minutes, some of the things that they do to really, really, uh, like type, try to ensure success. And this is all based on their experience and their very experienced with uh, multi six figure and multi seven figure um, campaigns. So, you know, three, four hundred thousand, six hundred thousand dollar campaigns, uh, all the way up to eight, nine, I think they even have double digit millions um, uh, campaigns, uh, you know, they, they've, they're from their experience with all of that. So, you know, my product is nowhere near that. Um, I think it would be kind of a uh, you know, kind of, I guess six figures, if it was a six figure campaign, that would be a little understandable. If it got up into the multi six figures, then I think I might've gotten a little lucky in terms of hitting the market at the right time, right place with the right product when the demand is super high. And it definitely looks like the demand is high. I don't know if it's high enough for this product to really uh, draw that much attention, but you never know. That's the thing. The market is the market. And you never know. I mean, the whole thing could tank too, but I, I seriously doubt it. But anyway, this this campaign group that I'm working with, they are very experienced in all this stuff. So they have access to the best of the best. It's kind of how they roll. And if you're familiar with uh, Kickstarters at all, and I did go over this before, um, you know, there's a video on the Kickstarter campaign page. It has to be, there's a lot of stats behind what makes a really good Kickstarter video. And I'm dialing all that in. I know, you know, there's the script, obviously, uh, there's the storyboard you have to put together ahead of time, make sure it makes sense, make sure it flows right, camera angles, scene, actors, or not necessarily actors, but models, you know, uh, people that are participating in the video, sound, music, uh, cues, transitions, um, you know, color, lighting, saturation, warmth, like all those things, they go in to the video and typography, um, the intro and outro are critical, you know, I, like the first eight seconds or something, the first six, seven, eight seconds is, is has to be like the most important. I think even the first four seconds have to be the most important, well thought out, well planned few seconds of the entire video. The video shouldn't exceed three minutes typically. And the first four seconds of that video should be the most captivating content that you possibly can create. Like you are supposed to spend as much time, focus, energy, and, uh, you know, attention to that four seconds, five seconds, then at, at equally as much there as you are in the rest of the video. In fact, equally as much there as you are on kind of the rest of the copywriting of the entire campaign. And the reason for that is, you know, not only do the first three, four, five seconds, uh, th that not only is that the prime window to like draw the the viewer of the campaign in and lock them in, but it's also the 
the point where like you really take the thing that that consumers and viewers of the campaign use the most when they're looking at something new, which is their eyes, right? So people, if you, it's an old, old term, but people eat with their eyes first. It's just the way it is, especially when it comes to marketing. And that's essentially what you're doing on a crowdfunding campaign is you're marketing to the consumer. So yes, you want to say, Hey, my product's really cool. You know, we're just, we're innovating. We're making something new. It's really neat. We need capital money, but you're also, you're marketing, you're selling at the same time. So that first four seconds has to be critical. And this campaign group that I'm working with, which I will reveal in the future, uh, they have access to all the stuff and they've been doing, uh, these campaign videos for a long time. They're very experienced with it. They know exactly how to make, you know, a top notch campaign video. So, but here's the thing they are not cheap right now they they kind of offer um and most of the crowdfunding services that, that you work with pretty much anybody you hire to do something like this will offer uh like a blanket service cost and then you know every everything you want to add to the plate almost a la carte style that every service you want to add to the plate for them to take over is going to be an additional cost and videography is pretty expensive for them i mean that whole package is like it's over $8,000. So, uh, you know, if you're, I don't know if that sounds high to you or sounds low to you, it depends on you know, what state you're in. Um, you know, not, not like state, but like what, you know, state as far as like producing things and having content out there and just being in this world, uh, that may or may not sound high to you. Um, but you know, it, for me, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, it sounds reasonable, but can I get someone to produce something equivalent for less. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of hustle on that end. It's like talking to videographers, talking to people who've done Kickstarter videos before, seeing what kind of negotiations I can do. But then the things like the storyboard and the sound and the editing and the, um, the script and the modeling, all of that plays a huge role. And I, I do not know if I want to try and take all that on myself. So, uh, that's, that's another thing I'm dealing with now. And I have a feeling that it's only going to get crazier as I get closer to September when the launch happens. Cause I really need to have this all figured out really by the middle of July so that I can spend August really dialing it down so that I can prepare to launch on September 1st. Um, so the other thing is I had a really long meeting, a couple of meetings actually with the, uh, the campaign manager, and we talked about all of the things, the strat, like the actual specific tactics that are going to go into this Kickstarter. And it's something that they use pretty much in every Kickstarter. So, you know, my product, which again, you know, I, I will reveal soon. Um, as soon as I get that second prototype in, I'll reveal pictures, video, everything, the whole nine yards. But, um, I don't want to talk about it specifically, you know, yet, but anyway, they, uh, the, the product is very, um, I think I said this before, it's Instagram friendly. It's got a lot of visual appeal. So the campaign manager wants to use Instagram as one of the primary marketing sources. They want to use PR for uh, marketing purposes to not only get the campaign linked out and a lot of buzz and hype around that, but also to get traffic going to my brand, which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be when I, when I say PR, I mean like some really kind of like high, well-known publications, probably both printed and digital. So that's pretty cool. And maybe even some audio, like some bigger podcasts, uh, maybe some YouTube channels, things like that. Um, and 
you know, I'm doing all this in parallel by myself, by the way, which is pretty cool because it's like, well, I don't want to spend too much off course. I am going to come back to that because that's something I definitely want to talk about. Uh, but, you know, the other things they do, and this is one of the big ones, is the Facebook ads. Now, they essentially told me that um, now Facebook, we already know, or most of you probably already know that Facebook advertising is probably the best deal in town. If you if you want to advertise and you want a very specific target audience, and let's say you don't even know what that target audience is, Facebook will get you all of that. Facebook advertising will allow you to target a wide audience, and they will actually let you track. They will provide the metrics of who is actually responding, who's converting to that advertisement. So within a day or two, you know, if you spend a few thousand dollars or a thousand dollars in a couple of days with a couple different variations of ads, you will be able to see exactly who, I mean, age, race, location, hobbies, you know, interests, profession, uh, like, you know, associated groups, networks, like you'll be able to see all of those things about the people who are responding to that ad, that advertisement. So within a couple days, they are confident like a hundred percent that they will be able to know exactly what the target market is for this particular product. So, uh, you know, that's something they do and they, they hammer that pretty hard. And then once they figure that out, then they just drill that audience over and over and over again and, uh, maybe tweak it here and there, but they drill them for, you know, 30 days, 45 days, however far ahead of time I want them to, before the campaign and then they drill them every day throughout the campaign. So, you know, but that's an expensive cost in itself. You know, putting together the campaign ads is one thing, but the ad spend, I think I've talked about that before. You know, that that's, that can be anywhere from 10, 12, 15,000 by itself. So, you know, it's it's definitely a lot. There's a lot of things to think about here. Um and you know, that's, that's a major part of it though. And the reason is because everybody's on Facebook. And even if you think you're not on Facebook enough and you don't react to ads enough, it doesn't matter, you know, because the person who will react to this is on Facebook and it doesn't have to be a million people or 5 million people or a hundred million people. It only has to be three, four, five thousand, right? 6,000 across the entire country. I mean, I'd love to go worldwide with it, but even if we're talking narrow and we're talking United States, three, four, five thousand people in the market that I'm going to be pitching to is a significant, like an insignificant number of people in terms of like the grand scheme. So, you know, there's definitely uh, a small enough slice there that I can just grab and take. And they are on Facebook and they will respond. And I feel very confident in that. The problem is the upfront cost. But, you know, that's just part of starting a new brand, right? That's just part of starting a new business. And um, I want to get back around to when I said that I was doing a lot of the reaching out to like influencers, um, myself doing that kind of in parallel, you know, you don't need a campaign manager to do that. But <laughs> here's the thing. I have a brand new brand, right? It really has no, uh, credibility, I guess to stand, you know, it doesn't have anything to stand on. So I'm reaching out, um, with, you know, very, 
very targeted people. I'm reaching out to very targeted people. I'm doing this now. I've been doing this for a few, uh, for over a month. And I'm literally DMing or, you know, emailing people and saying, hey, uh, you know, whatever your name is, I'm launching a new brand. My name is Gordon. I'm all, I'm launching a new brand and, you know, I'm just, I'm writing them a small, very small thing about uh, how much I, I love what they're doing. You know, I do include that right up front. Um, you know, I love that you're involved in this. I love your mission. And I actually take the time to research them for a few minutes. You know, this is where the hard work comes in, right? This is where the time investment really comes in. I will spend 10, 20, 30 minutes sometimes uh, like looking at one person's website or their Facebook page or their thing, their Instagram, and I will learn about that person. Then I will DM them if I think it's appropriate or email them. And I will say, Hey, my name is Gordon. I love that you do all this stuff, you know, and I'll call out specifics if it makes sense. You know, there's no fabrication here whatsoever. I mean, this is all truth, 100% truth. If I like them, if I think they're relevant, if I think it's appropriate, if I think that I can help them and they can help me, I will do this. And I've been doing it. And I'll say, I love all this stuff about you. I want to help you. I also am watching this new brand how can I work with you and you work with me to help me get this brand off, off the ground a little bit. And the best part about this is that, and I'm learning this, I was told this before, but I'm learning this the hard way, or I'm learning this firsthand, I guess, is that you get a lot of no's. You get a lot of absolutely not, you know, no, thank you. I'm already involved in this brand. That's conflict of interest, stuff like that. I get a lot of no's and it's okay. I've actually learned to love being told no. It's weird. It's the weirdest thing. So I actually send out everything and I don't even care when I hit send, whether or not they respond, whether or not they say no. And I, I actually, I, I enjoy it. It's weird. It's, it's, it's the strangest thing. Um, I, <laughs> I originally heard this, this whole like similar concept from, uh, from Gary Vaynerchuk a while, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And I don't really listen to a lot of his content, but I heard him say that. And, uh, you know, I was, I kind of thought he was lying. Cause I think he, so this guy wants to buy the New York jets and he talks about how he builds audiences and stuff and how he constantly gets told no. And he loves being told no. And that was the weirdest thing to hear, but um, it's, it is kind of addicting, I guess. I know it sounds strange, but the more I get told no, the more it, it drives me to work a little bit harder. It's, I don't know. I can't explain it other than that. And, but I have had people say yes. And for every person that says yes, it's, it's a big win. And they are interested in not only helping me and letting me help them, but they are interested in spreading the word about my brand. So one person really becomes multiple people. When you get one influencer to say yes, that instantly becomes three, four, five, ten other people who are interested. So it actually grows really quick. You don't need a thousand people to say yes right away. You need a handful of people to say yes. And that's what I'm experiencing. So it's awesome. I'm learning that firsthand. And a lot of that's coming just from the constant research, you know, reviewing people's pages, DMing them, IMing them, uh, you, you know, emailing them and just seeing what the feedback's like. You know, and some of the people that I'm pretty, I was pretty confident would say, yes, absolutely said no. And the people who have said no, 
Are the people who have said yes are people who I didn't expect to say yes. It's it's strange. You never know. And even like big names have said, or bigger names have said yes. And smaller names have said no. You know, people with like far fewer influencers um, have said no or have come back and said, you know, I want, yeah, sure. I'll be an influencer. Like may just made it all business. I'll be an influencer for you. You know, $5,000 per picture on Instagram. And these are people with like three, 4,000 followers, you know, not a huge impact in the social media community. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of hustle. Um, and I'm doing all that. I don't know exactly how my campaign manager's team builds and, you know, builds the audience because that's the other thing they do is they can build audiences for you. They will build audiences for me. They have a whole team dedicated to this. I mean, these are kind of like social media platform experts, which I certainly am not, but I'm trying to be very savvy in that world. And it's just a lot of grind right now. It's a lot of grind. It's a lot of, a lot of getting told no. And it's a lot of just pushing through. You know, I talked about pushing through very early on in the podcast back in like episode two or three, and it's just barrier after barrier after barrier after barrier every single day. But the thing is, I really want to build this brand. The bottom line is, I want to build this brand. I believe in the product. You know, it's my product. It's my design. It's something that has, even the prototype has benefited my, I've, my life has been better on a daily basis because of this product. And I feel very strongly that other people like me and even people not like me, but share a similar characteristic in you know this particular like hobby are, uh, and lifestyle are going to benefit significantly from having this product. I really truly believe that this is this is definitely not a money making scheme. If you think that, uh, and I'm not suggesting that you do, but if anybody thinks that creating a product from scratch and putting it out into the crowdfunding world to gain capital to build a brand is a get rich quick thing they are sadly mistaken. There is no get rich quick here at all. This is almost a year in the making at this point, And it's still many, many months out. And my Kickstarter hasn't even gone to market. <laughs> so I haven't even begun production. So before I even start taking a profit, you know, it's going to be the, the clock's going to tick into 2018 before I probably start seeing a profit. You know, I may see revenue to pay back my supplier. I may see revenue to get my inventory restocked, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm not going to be able to start pulling a profit for probably 18, 24, 36 months. But I'm okay with that because this is what I want to do. I am all in on this. And if you're all in on your thing, then you would be as in love with it as I am with this. And barrier after barrier after barrier will be like not this big daunting, like, holy crap, I don't feel like doing this. It'll actually be more like, Oh, okay. That's awesome. I can't wait to climb that to get to the next one so that I can inch my way forward in the prone position, you know, constantly defending myself from all these other obstacles and projectiles coming my way, but I'll be able to slowly move, you know, one more inch towards the finish line, you know, just to find out that that's not even the real finish line. There's another one, you know, many, many, many miles out. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's the, the hustle, the game part of it is, is addicting, I should say. And, and I, I can't describe it any other way, but anyway, that's where I'm at with the Kickstarter and the new brand. Very excited about it. Uh, so looking back, you know, on the week, 
Uh, it was a very, very productive week. I hope that you are able to look back and kind of reflect and then refocus uh, and, and kind of set yourself up for success next week. And the only other thing is that, oh, so I am still running a merch business. That's never going to go away, at least not anytime soon. Uh, merch by Amazon. I still run that and I have started hiring people. Um, I don't have the time or the the interest in continuing to update and maintain and add new designs to the the account every single day. So I've started outsourcing a lot of that. And that whole thing is awesome because it, it becomes a well-oiled machine. Um, now I have a, a couple designers that I work with. Um, I just fired one, unfortunately. And when I say hired it, like I'm not using Fiverr for this thing. I'm using uh, Upwork. I actually hire employees that work kind of on like a long-term contract type of deal. And it's great. I found some really, really good talent um, overseas and, uh, you know, we're, we're on this deal where, you know, they're so fast. I, I pay them $4 per design based on my requirements. And that's kind of like the, the standard, uh, if you go that route. So, uh, you know, if you've kind of have to weed through a little bit, but, uh, I use Upwork. I found some really, really good graphic designers and illustrators, and they produce shirts for me at $4 a design. And all it takes is one sale of that shirt to pay for the service that the graphic designer provided for me. So instantly, as soon as I get that second sale on a shirt, then I've already made money. You know, so it just makes way more sense to have someone else do it. Uh, I'm not as quick with Illustrator and I don't even have Photoshop and I don't want to spend my time, uh, my, you know, the precious little time that I have when I'm trying to build this other brand, I don't want to spend my free time building shirts to sell you know, when it's going to take me three, four, five times as long to make a very simple design when someone else could do it for me. So, um, you know, I've kind of talked about merch at length. I just interviewed Glenn Zubia and he's kind of like an expert, you know, he pulls about six K a month on it, um, cash. So, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely something worth doing. It's awesome cash flow. It's easy. And I outsource all my designs at this point. So, uh, that's where I'm at with that. And going forward, listen, if you are just starting out and you know, you're not sure what you want to do and you're just kind of like thinking, Oh, you know, I kind of like a little bit of everything at this point. You know, I like the whole merch thing. It sounds really neat or any kind of print on demand merchandise, you know, t-shirts, whatever service, uh, you know, but I also kind of want to private label this, you know, but hearing him talk about a Kickstarter, that's kind of cool. You know, it's a little overwhelming at first, but if you have anything going at all, you know, it makes sense, uh, to, to get that all out on paper and figure out why you want to do anything, why you want to do any of this at all. And once you figure, you know, just keep digging, just keep digging. And once you figure out, you know, why you want to do this at all, what the real purpose is, then, it's imperative that you just start. You just go. You just do something. Just start. Don't be afraid to lose a little bit of money if, if that's what's holding you back. And don't be afraid to miss a show on TV or miss a, a game or miss a something. If if this is really like your you know the calling that you and you really just can't ignore it anymore, which is kind of what I'm dealing with. And so just start. That's the whole point. Start. Take action. Do something. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode. And hopefully you got something out of this. 
And if you did, please share it with somebody else you think might also get something out of this. All right. And with that, I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Take care.